So I'm going to do my very best this morning to kind of clear the waters on some things. And you know what I do. I just take simple scriptures and I take them apart. And, and then you give me that look. And then you'll come back in about three weeks and say, I finally got it. So a few months ago that I talked about the death of martyrs, I gave you a list on how these men uh, lived their life and how they met their death. And it was just very chilling when we went through this, this list of these men. And somebody in the church, which was, which was admirable, they said, then this was the scripture dealing with Peter. And so this is found in St. John chapter 21, verse 18, 19. He begins this after his resurrection, and don't, don't go there, but he said, Peter, do you love me? It means agape. Do you love me with your heart? And he said, well, Lord, you know I like you. He was honest. Because one thing about it, he messed up so many times, so we might as well quit pretending. Wouldn't it be great if we just start being honest with God? Oh, we love you, God, but if, if true, it was going on, I just can't figure you out. That's what really is in the back of our heart. And he said, then Bosco, my Arneons, feed my lambs. And then he turned to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me, Agape? And he said, Lord, you know I like you. And he said, then point me my Probatons. And then he said, for the third time, he said, Peter, do you even like me? And he said, Lord, you know my heart. And he said, then feed my sheep or Bosco, my Arneons, and for me, my Probatons. And, and you said, my goodness, that sounds like Greek. It is. But it's being able to feed different age groups and genders and mental faculties of the flock all at the same time. We're all different. Turn to somebody and say, I know you're different. St. <laughs> John 21, the next verse says this. So he said, truly, truly, very, verily, I say unto you that when you were young, thou girdest thyself and walk whither you wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee where you would notest <laughs> or wouldest not. So on the surface, so the surface. So he spake this, signifying his death, that he should glorify God. And when he spoke and he said, she said unto him, follow me. So on the surface, this, this is what, this is the, the, the mindset of most of you is that, that Jesus is predicting his death and he'll tell him that, that when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. And then a Roman soldier one day will take you and they'll take you and crucify you upside down. And if it was that simple, I would say a prayer, we'd all go home but not so fast, my friend. There is a story beneath the story. Is he, is he speaking about his death? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it may not be in the way, in the style, in the end that you have been used and programmed to understanding it. So this morning, that by definition, there's two words that we will examine. It is the first word, another, and the second word is carry in this verse. And it has everything to do with us. So we're going to be very, very um, slow and deliberate this morning, but not in length. I'll deal with this next week. There are two words, Greek word for the word another. He said another. When you were young, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted to go. But the day will come as we read it that a Roman soldier and a Roman council will take you and drag you kicking and screaming and they will crucify you upside down. That's the way you read it. And not that it didn't happen, but that's not really the, the words that Christ is trying to deposit in you. The first word for another, 
by definition, this word another, it means that you will go where you would ordinarily not go on your own. And that's weird. This another. So there are two Greek words for another, only two. And number, the first one is alos, and the second one is heteros. And the reason why this is important because I want you to understand because I'm going to do my very best in the next five weeks to describe the Trinity to you in a, in a wonderful, simple way, the Trinity. With word pictures and examples and visual aids. How many likes visual aids? I do. I do. The commodity cans you used to have a pig and a chicken and a cow on it. It, it, it eliminated a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> visual aid. So by definition, we have to understand who the another is. If another is going to take you, is it a leopard? Is it a cheetah? Is it a bear? Is it a woman in a wheelchair? Is it a Roman soldier? Who is this another that's going to drag you around? And so the first thing, you, you, because you're programmed, then he's dealing with a Roman soldier. Is it now? Are you sure? Because if you're positive, you may want to pull your bets on that thinking. So another in all loss means, it means same in kind. But heteros means different in kind. So very quickly this morning, I have to show you if food is the kind, if we're dealing with kind, only allos and heteros, who is this another? Because it doesn't say. It doesn't say it's humankind. He just says another. So if food is the kind, which it is, so we have a food group. Cheerios is a food group. And we have an an apple. They're both in the food group. Can we agree to that? But now then, the Greek is so specific, we're not dealing with a food group. We're dealing now in a fruit group. Are they both in the fruit group? Are they both in the fruit group? Are they both in the fruit kind? Yes. But are they the same? Thank you. Are they all in the fruit group? But are they the same? They're heteros. Heteros is, they're all in the same kind, but they're all different. Now the good part. So when you read this scripture dealing with Simon Peter, with heteros, then you're going to go ahead and, 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 and survey this scripture saying this, that when you were young, you went where you wanted to, you did what you wanted to do, but when you're old, another, another kind, a heteros, will drag you around kicking and screaming until they crucify you upside down. So we know for a fact, when I say for know for a fact, I know for a fact, and you're fixing to know for a fact, this another 
has nothing to do with different in kind. Allah's. Matter of fact, the Greek is so emphatic about this, we're not dealing even with the same kind of kind. Are apples the same kind? Please say yes. Thank you. So you get the idea that it's the same kind, but the Trinity is, is, is now that we have two different apples and we know that the Trinity could be an orange and a fruit, and it's not. We're not even dealing with the same kind. He said, another will take you. He's not even dealing with two apples. He's dealing in kind, the Greek says, with one. Now watch this. This is found. So the Greek word for this scripture is alos. Same in kind. Same, but it's another, another. I'll clear it up. This is found in John 14 and 16. So he said, I will pray that the Father, that he shall give you another comforter. So we learned in verse 26, leave it up there. Who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, however you want to say it. Some things Holy Ghost is more spiritual. I don't know. The word ghost and spirit is the same word. When I was in church, you couldn't say spirit, you had to say ghost. That's crazy. So Jesus said in John 14, 26, I'm going to send you a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now then, he said, I will pray that the Father shall give you another comforter. This word another is all laws. Notice what he does not say, I will give you a comforter. He will give you another So before there can be another, there has to be one already existing now. So in the fruit groups, if if according according to John 21 and 14 and 16, that another comforter is the Holy Spirit. Would you agree to that? So in about two or three weeks, you're going to find out that the Father, he deals with eternal things with predestination. I'll give you plenty of notice in case you want to stay home on that. The Son deals with external things, propitiation in Romans 3, and the Holy Spirit deals with internal, which is deals with our regeneration and renewal in Titus. Palingenesis is the Greek word, new birth. So when he talks about, I'll send you another comforter, in the Greek, he's not telling you that I will send you someone that's separate from me, whether it be another kind, an apple or an orange, or even another apple. When he said, I will send you another comforter, he's not saying that I'll send you a banana or I'll send you an orange, even though they're fruit kind. Matter of fact, he's not even saying, I'm going to send you someone that looks like me. The apple, by definition, is the character of the father. We know an apple by the skin. The son is the meat of it. Pretty good, too. <laughs> the seeds. 
of the Holy Spirit. Another comforter doesn't mean another kind, just a minute. It doesn't mean another kind like it. It doesn't mean another apple just like it because it's not just like it. Everybody's different and every fruit, even though they have an outwardly skin that looks the same, but that is not the same as this. So the Father has sent his, his Son and the Holy Spirit to identify who he is. And we can look at that in first thing. We can say that as an apple, but beneath the apple, there's something more. There's the meat of it, which is the internal thing, which represents Christ. This message could go on and on, I'm telling you. But it goes beyond that. It's the seeds. Because God only had to go to the earth one time, and from then on, the law of seed time and harvest is in effect. He never has to go back to the ground. It's in the seed. And so he says, when I'll send you another comforter, he's not saying, I'm going to send you somebody that looks like me. He said, I'm going to send you me. And it may not look exactly what you're used to, but I'll tell you, it's the same thing. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it may not look like this, and he may not look like this, but make sure that you understand that it's just the same thing. It's another. It's just another layer of me. Has anybody ever said there's another side to you? Oh, you ought to see his other side. Well, I've seen that side. I hope it's better than that side. You know what he's saying? There's different layers to it. There's different parts of us. When he talks about sending another comforter, not a comforter, but another comforter. Sorry about that. He's not telling you he's sending some type of different fruit or different kind or different variety. He's telling you that he's sending you the same thing. It's just in different forms. There's only one God. There's only one Father. And in him is the fullness of the Godhead, which is Christ. And by the Holy Spirit, Palin Genesis, we've been born again. There's just one. But it's different layers. It's different, it's, it's, it's different counterparts. But it's not like lookalikes and it's just the same thing. Matter of fact, we went to Hawaii not too long ago. And Jordan, isn't it amazing? Should I eat? No, I'm not going to eat that. I'll save that in case I get hungry, in case I get long-winded. Isn't it amazing that when you go to the, the, the agri-place agri or whatever and, and you're going to plant a garden, and not that you do, but, you know, some of us used to do that. But when you, when you go, that the, that the picture on the package looks nothing like the seeds in the package. And if I was to cut this baby out, I would show you the seeds and you would say, that's no big deal. But I will tell you that this is a product of this and this is a product of this. Right. Amen. The seed looks nothing like this. 
but in the fullness of time that this produces this. I spend a lot of time trying to put the seed of the word of God, the incorruptible seed in your mind and your heart. The reason why I do that, because I know that the seed of the word of God will produce you into the likeness of our father. I know that. Peter said, you're not born again with the incorruptible seed, but you're born again with a, I mean, with corruptible seed. You're born again with incorruptible seed. If I can just get the seed of God in you, it will produce the same fruit that God is composed with. Because, because the fruit is in the seed and the seed is in the fruit. So when an acorn falls to the ground, what do you see? You see an acorn. I see a coffee table. When I look at you, what do I, do I just see a guy with a Kansas Jayhawk shirt on? I see that, but I see, I see a mighty man of God Amen. who's strong and confident, fully persuaded. I, I, when I put the word of God in you, which I do a lot, I'm doing it for a reason because even though it may just seem like to be an insignificant seed, but I will tell you, it will grow and it will bear fruit in the likeness of the Father. Amen. It has to. The reason why I know that because in the garden, the first promise was that your seed, he told Eve, your seed will be great. Your seed will rule kingdoms. Who was that seed? Christ. So when I went to Hawaii, that there's a plant with seeds on it. Jordan, what kind of plier is it? What is that? Yeah, whatever he just said. Yes. Robert knows about it. There you go. But that seed that's kind of ugly and, and, and discolored, but this is what it turns out to be. There's no magic formula. There's no hocus pocus or abracadabra. The seed will yield forward who it really is. So this morning, when he talks about Another, when you were young, you went anywhere you wanted to. But when you grow old, another, not a Roman soldier, another, not a Levitical priest, another, the very party of the Godhead will take you where you would not go on your own. That's not twisting the scriptures. That is explaining and expounding scripture to you. Isn't it amazing when, as you look back in your rearview mirror where you are now and you think, my goodness, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I sure enough wouldn't be sitting in a non-denominational church. Anybody here raised in a, in a traditional denominational church? Yeah. And you know what they said, you go to the non-denominational, you get the church granola, nuts, fruits, and flakes. I understand. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that through the years that the Holy Spirit, that comforter, another comforter, that, that inward part of the Holy Spirit is taking you to places that you would not have gone on your own. You're saying things that you would not say on your own. You're responding to things that you would not respond on your own. 
instead of lashing out in retaliation. Now then it's love and compassion towards one another. You know who that is? It ain't you. Somebody said, well, time heals all things. Time heals nothing. You get a sticker in your arm, time just festers and boils and gets a big old, you got to go see Dr. Pimple Pomper, you know. <laughs> so lastly, this morning, the second word is the word carry. And he said that when you're old, another. Who is that another? Allah. Who is that other? It is the third part of the, of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit will take you, Peter, because anybody ever besides me have ever read the life of Peter? I mean, he got F's everywhere he went. The only reason why he opened his mouth to change feet. Really? And something happened. Something happened to him. What happened the day of Pentecost? That that 50th day, he was, he, 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 Jesus went with them 40 days with infallible proofs. And then on the 50th day, that 10 days that something happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. And, and I want to tell you for all you Pentecost, you've heard me say this, but Acts says that the Holy Spirit fell on them. There's only used one time in the Greek for fell is when the father's prodigal son, he fell on his son's neck. The Holy Spirit was not meant for manifestations of blowing the walls out. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose in this world is to fall on your neck and let you know you are loved. It's true. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, something happened to him. It was the fullness of God. It was that another that began the process in his life. It was the another that Jesus talked about about 10 days ago. Just 10 days ago, he gave Peter this prediction. And when the Holy Spirit fell, and it's amazing. I laugh about it, but it's amazing. In Acts chapter 2, he starts, he gets up and starts preaching a sermon. It's amazing. He talks about Joel. He talks about David. He talks about Isaiah. He's quoting scripture that I didn't even know he could even quote. You ought to read that. It'll make you laugh. Really? He doesn't say anything legible or intelligent his entire life until the Holy Spirit falls on him. And then what, you know, so here's the deal. Watch this. When the Holy Spirit falls on him, what does he start doing? He starts standing up and saying, but the Lord said in the book of Joel in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters. And he said, that was prophesied by David of old. And Isaiah said this, and David once again, the psalmist said this, you know what he's doing? He's reciting verses that he heard Jesus say. Isn't it amazing that nobody had a clue that he was even knew the ABCs on biblical principles? But Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit shall come, he will bring to remembrance everything that I've said. It means that the seed of God was, was being manifested in his life, that Jesus spoke to him. When the Holy Spirit was mixed with the word, wonderful things happened. The word of God is not lying dormant in you somewhere. The word of God is not dormant. It's working. It's activating. Something's bubbling in your belly besides gas. 
And if I can keep the word of God in you and the truth of God in you on that exact moment when the Holy Spirit falls on you, something wonderful. And you will get up and, and you don't have to make up things. You'll begin to prophesy. The word of the Lord said this, and the, the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. So what happens is, is that he's telling him that the Holy Spirit is this comforter. And what is he going to do when he comes? He will carry you. So we've clarified who the other is. It's the Holy Spirit. You can't argue with that. It's Bible. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, that one, then what is he going to do? He's going to carry you. So the Greek word for carry is Pharaoh. And by definition, the Pharaoh means to lead, to bring, to bring forth, to... That's what it means. But remember what Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says... Let's read the King James. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, capital S, they're sons of God. So if you are a son or daughter of God, you will be led by the Spirit. Can we agree to that? Can we wake up? Can we agree to this? If you are a child of God, you will be led by the Spirit of God. Like it or not, there are two Greek words for the word led. One is a go. One means to be led in agreement. One means to be side by side. One means to be in harmony and unity. But the other word for led is close to the word ago. We just attach the letters N-Y to it. Agony. So if you are saved and born again of God, raise your hands if you are, and the rest of you, you're going to go to hell. But the rest of you... Then what happens is there's only two ways that you're going to be led by God. Either you can get in agreement with him and walk with him, or number two, you're not going to like it, but you're going to go. Oh, you're going. Anybody here raise children? And they get to the age and say, well, I'm not going. Oh, really? No, I'm not going. Oh, you're going. You're my son. Oh, I'm not going. Oh, you're going. Oh, I'm not going to go. You can't make me go. Oh, really? <laughs> and when they finally wake up from being knocked out in the floor, I'm dragging them to the car, locking them in the trunk, kicking and screaming. Oh, you're going. Hear me. Hear me. Watch this. If, if you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior through the new birth, here's the deal. There's two ways you're going to be led of God. And I'm trying to get you to do the first one. Walk in agreement, walking in harmony with him, walk in unity with him, side by side. But I'm telling you right now, on that other one, you're going. You're going. Kicking and screaming. But you're going. Because we are sons and daughters of God. So when Simon Peter uses this word, did Peter live out his life by force, did he live his life, excuse me, in agreement with God, or did he live his life in agony, kicking and screaming by being dragged around by a Roman soldier? So here's the answer. We got to go. First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter 1 and 21. For the prophecies came not in old by the will of man, but holy men who were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
The word Greek word for moved is Pharaoh. Peter's speaking about his own self. You're not getting it. He's talking about his own self. He says that no, no scriptures, any private interpretation, it's, it's a Greek word, but it means nobody just sat down and said, today I'm going to hear from God. That, that's not going to happen. I don't have the right to tell you come to church today and God's going to do something for you. I've made a false claim because I don't have that promise. All I can do is put myself in the right condition and position to be blessed by God. But I don't have any right to make a commercial say, if you'll just come here, great things are going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. The may fall in. I'm just telling you, you need to come. Peter is saying about himself, he said, here's the truth of the matter. Holy men of God were moved, Pharaoh, by the Holy Spirit. Now, you've heard me say this, but I'll say it to you. Peter was a fisherman. He owned about 23, 24 boats. He was a commercial fisherman. And he uses this word so specifically. It, it's a definition. It means to furrow the sails. And what Peter is saying is this. He said that in, in my pursuit of God and my being led by God, here's the key. Hear me before we leave. Here's the key. That I've launched my boat into the waters and I've thrown the outboard motor overboard, which they didn't have. And I cut all the oars in two. And all I did was furrow the sails. I just raised the sails. And if the Holy Spirit blew, I moved. And if the Holy Spirit did not move, I stayed. Everybody in the church has got great advice for you, but don't take any of it. Oh, if I was you, I'd move. You know, just mind your own business on that. I'm not doing anything until I understand that the Holy Spirit has spoke and it can be confirmed by the Word of God. And Peter is speaking about his own life here by the word Pharaoh. And I wrote this. From Pentecost until Peter's execution that he was led, he was carried, he was moved by the Holy Spirit and Simon Peter became an example of not only how we should live, but how we should die. So in good old English, Jesus said, do you love me? He said, you know, I, I like you. I don't, I don't understand you. I can't really figure you out. And shame on us if we come in and use the word love in such a way that it's so loose and cheap because everybody loves everybody, but that's not true. Oh, I love you, but I talk about you when you're gone. Oh, I love that brother, even though he cut me off in traffic. I love him. But he said, Peter, do you even like me? And he said, Lord, you know deep down that I love you. I'm just having some problems in my life. And Jesus said, I understand. And that's why he said, but Peter, when you were young, you went anywhere you wanted to go and you always wound up in the wrong place. 
But when you're old, another, the Holy Spirit, that he will take you and he will lead you and he will carry you and he will move you to places that you would never even thought about going in your entire life. Going with God. That's how he died. By honoring God. That's how he not only lived, but that's how he died. So the answer to this question is a wonderful one. That Lord, wherever you want me to go, that's where I'm going to go. You've given me peace about it. And, and if you don't move me right here, then I'm here for a reason and a purpose and I need to look around because evidently there may be lives that I can change. This morning I say to you that the same promise that was given to Simon Peter is the same promise given to you. And when you were young and first started got in, into the ministry of following Jesus, you took three steps forward and two steps backwards. Understand. You were confused about church doctrine. You was confused about a lot of things. I understand. But my prayer for you this morning is that the Holy Spirit will so be poured out into your life that you will begin to live your life in the movement and the flowing of the Holy Spirit. That God will take you to places that you've never would have gone on your own. God will allow you to deal with family struggles in a way that you would not have done 20 years ago. 10 years ago, you'd have walked the floors and paced the floors at night. But for some reason, you are sleeping right in the back part of the ship while the storm is raging. Father, this morning, I want to ask you to do something that only you can do. Is to help our minds understand this another comforter. It's just you. Our chief goal in this church is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily the, the worship of Christ himself. This whole thing is about you. Jesus even said it. It's the Father. So I pray this morning for everyone in this place that has given up on themselves. For everyone this morning that someone has told them they'll never amount to be anything. You've got greater news for us. The seed of God is in us. The word of God is in us. And it is moving. It is fermenting. It is growing. And it is producing characteristics of the Father. Would you move on us this morning? Would you just fall down once again as the Father fell upon the Son's neck and kissed him? Father, there's friends of mine in this place that hasn't felt your love in a long time. 
We're theologically correct in times. We're structured in performancing, but we have not felt your love in a long, long time. Would you just fall on us today? Would you just remind us that we belong to you? Would you just remind us that evidently through Christ we're good enough? By the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the process of regeneration and renewal is going on. Fall upon us today. And help us to be the people of God that are led by the Holy Spirit in agreement with you. And these things we ask you in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen. Stand with me, give the Lord a praise offering if you would, please. Huh? Now I got news, I got news for you that your development and your maturity will not come from TV preachers. It ain't gonna come from me. It's gonna come from that another, the Holy Spirit himself. Driving down the road, going to work laying in bed, looking at a blank ceiling, worrying about your grandkids, I understand. When the pastor won't pick up the phone, and he never does. There is another comforter, the Godhead, that will climb in that bed with you and lay his head upon your pillow and he will whisper some things into your ear that he's heard the father say. And the father says, you go down there and tell them it's gonna be all right. Communion service, if you'll make your way this way. Some of you this morning have got a question or two about communion. And this is what I will tell you, that I was raised in Assembly of God Church. We took about once a month. And, and I will tell you that the minister told us that if you had sin in your life, you better not take it or you'll go to hell. That's basically what. And three-fourths of the church, we didn't go. Until I cleared up the waters on that verse. He said, let a man examine himself and if any man take this communion, unworthily, he's heaping damnation upon himself. The word unworthily in the Greek means in axios, it means your own worth. If any man takes communion in your own worth, the word damnation, it means separation. You're really separating yourself from God because the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We should never take communion as we turn in our report cards to the pastor. We take communion in his worth. There's only one worthy this morning, it's Christ. So that night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and he took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Passover with the unleavened bread. John 6 said, as your fathers did eat of the bread that my father sent from the heavens, but they did hunger again. But he said, but now then my father will send me the bread of life. And if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread. 
And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Passover with the lamb's blood. They would take the lamb's blood and they would place in the shape of a cross and up on the door and the death angel, the Abaddon, would pass over that household. Jesus said, I am the lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. And my father will take my blood and place in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sin. So this morning we celebrate Holy Communion again, not on our good deeds or our bad deeds. It's because of His worthiness. Holy Spirit, this morning as we celebrate Holy Communion, would you activate the Word of God in our life and, and remind us that we're being more like in the image of our Father. That we will break every mirror of performance of the flesh, but we will only gaze into the proper words of the hidden scriptures to reveal to us the genetics of God that lies within us. Bless this cup and bless this bread. And let it find healing and health for all that partake of it in Christ's name. Amen.